For a long time, the World Bank positioned itself as the savior of Africa. We're here to help you. We're here to give you resources at fair terms. We're here to ensure that the development agenda in Africa is successful. But now they've been called out. They've been called out by African leaders. They've been called out by global leaders. Most recently, um, Antonio Guterres, the UN Secretary General said, the terms with which the World Bank lends to Africa are punitive. And these same sentiments were echoed by the president of Zambia, Hakaida Hichilema, who says, you're not just exploiting us, you're stealing from us in the name of giving us money. What you're taking back from us in comparison to what you've given us is not even exploitation, is daylight robbery. We see this as a rare opportunity to address the challenges we've kept on talking about for a long time and on many platforms. One, that we need to reform the global order, in particular to address the inequities associated with critical ingredients to development, such as capital. The cost of capital is what I'm talking about. Africa, as we have already acknowledged, pays a higher cost of capital than any other on the globe. Certainly, the BRICS platform could and should be used to work through, to expedite the reform processes around this issue, which is inhibiting development, which our young populations much need to create opportunities for education, health, uh, business, work, as it were, and other life-improving activities. Hello there, how are you doing? Welcome again to another episode of our conversations. My name is Andira Ganga. I love coming on here talking to you guys about black people, our empowerment, and how we can rise up and take our rightful place at the global stage. Connect with me on social media. I'd like to hear from you at Ondero Oganga on Twitter, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And if you like stories about people relocating to the African continent or how to do it and what life is on the African continent as someone who's come from the diaspora, then come and check out my YouTube channel at Ondero Oganga where I document such stories. Back to BRICS. BRICS was a very, very interesting summit. I really enjoyed listening because I followed all those days. Apart from covering it live and everything that was breaking, I was just listening as, a, as an African, not as a journalist, as an African. And it was the most refreshing summit because African leaders finally had center stage. They were forefront and they were speaking without fear of contradiction. When I tell you these people were going all out they didn't care that this summit was being broadcasted globally and some of the people they were directly talking to were going to watch this they have gotten to a place where they're saying enough is enough one such person is the president of zambia i've been very lucky as a journalist i've, I've interacted with him before when he came to rwanda and he is a very intelligent man. He's a man of conviction. He's committed to serving his people. And as much as he respects the power that the West has, he also recognizes that Africa deserves respect and also just to be treated as a partner and an equal. And we might not be bringing the same value to the table, but there's some value we bring. And if you don't respect that, then you can't respect me at all. Because that means you don't, you don't, are not worthy in your eyes. 
And a lot is changing. A lot is changing on the continent because Africans are beginning to realize that we actually have something we can offer to the table. We are not just a dark continent of disease, poverty, hunger, and war. No, those things could be true. But there are also other great things about Africa. But because we've reduced ourselves and we see ourselves through the microscopic and myopic lens of the West, we have sold ourselves short on so many occasions. But that is changing. And I'll tell you what. When the president of Zambia was speaking, he said something that was very important. He said, gone are the days when we are selling raw materials to you. Those days are kaput. They're over. You don't want to buy it, fine. We'll sit with it. Obviously, we'll find another buyer. If the West doesn't want to buy, we'll look to Saudi Arabia. We'll look, we'll look towards the Middle East. But eventually... The terms of doing business are going to change. And I'll tell you why. When you sell raw materials, you get very little money. The value you get for that money is very, very little. Very little. And then the people that make the billions and billions and billions of dollars from your resources are the people that are adamant in buying it raw from you. I'll give you a practical example because they can say, oh, Ndiro, you're just here to attack the West you're, because you're African. Okay, let's put it into context. Ghana, Cote d'Ivoire, the two biggest producers of cocoa beans in the world, about 65 to 70% of cocoa beans in the world. Yet, yet, they don't even make up to 5% of the global chocolate revenue. That money is in Switzerland. That money is in Switzerland. Why? Because Europe is hell-bent on buying raw cocoa beans. And when the president of Ghana tried to say, let's process our cocoa, can you buy processed products? They said, no. They slapped them with so many um, conditionalities and restrictions and this and that and this and that. And at the end of the day, you have farmers that heavily depend on selling their cocoa beans to be able to make ends meet. And it's almost like, now you have no option. But it's also nice to hear African leaders saying, be that as it may. Moving forward, we're selling value-added materials. And if you're not going to buy, we'll find somebody else who respects us enough to pay us what we are worth. Because Africa should not remain poor. There was a time I was having this conversation with Winnie Bianima after her viral um, speech at Davos. Um, if you've watched it, you know how she spoke about labor and exploitation. And she was telling me if the people who buy flowers just added an extra dollar per kilo or per stem, just pay an extra dollar, the quality of life for women who work in the flower farms in Naivasha would exponentially change, increase. Because now, these women will have more money for educating their kids. They'll have money for proper health care. They'll have money for proper diet. They can save their money, you know. And the thing is, Africans are never asking for a lot. It's very little. But the West is like, nah, 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 we can't give you that. And the Zambian president is saying, listen up, ship up or ship out. But the day of getting raw materials from Africa and benefiting from them are over. So one of the things, Mr. Chairman, that we would like as Zambia's Comesa Africa to endorse family is that as the BRICS nations look to enhance relationships with us in Africa and elsewhere, 
Asia, elsewhere, South America, the global south, if I may say, we need to consciously agree that relationships must be structured in a manner that allows enhancement of domestic economic growth of those that are associated with the BRICS and also using BRICS, Mr. Chairman, as an opportunity to correct the relationships that were structured wrongly with the old order. That old order which we are now talking about reforming, we now have an opportunity under the BRICS platform to enter in those relationships in a reformed manner. That, for example, ensures that when we exploit resources, we must invest in value addition in the host countries where those resources are located. It benefits the investors, collective basket of investors. It creates opportunities for our young African population and invariably, Mr. Chairman, delivers an opportunity to stabilize Africa, political, civil stability, which is important. Another thing that he spoke about was lending, particularly with regards to traditional lending institutions, the World Bank, the IMF, the markets where we get euro bonds. And he was saying we need to rethink what global world order is and we need a new world order. The interest rates at which Africans get money with is exorbitant, is a ripoff. It's purely a ripoff. You cannot be saying today Africa is the future, Africa is developing. Then when we say, now put some money on it, you're like, nah, you're high risk. Nah, yeah, high risk, but you will send your people here to, 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 to exploit our resources. What's the risk in that, right? Um, there's very little respect for Africa at the international stage. Very, very little. And that's why even some African countries that are doing far well than some European countries, they're still boxed in the same and in the old definition of Africa and what Africa is. I dare you today, go to school. I, I have studied a little bit art, um, both Columbia University and MIT. The data, the data that they were using for America, Europe, Asia, current data. I was in school when about 2020, 2021, they about, no, 2019, 2020, and 2021. The data that they have for America, Europe, and, and, and Asia. Recent data, 2018, 2019, 2020. Current data. The data that they were teaching us about Africa. 2000. The year 2000. 2003, 2005. That's the most recent data. And so when you make decisions, when you teach people about Africa using that kind of data, you continue to perpetuate the perception that Africa is a dark continent. And the reason why I love Ivy League schools, I, I, I'll be honest, I love the schools, I love the name, I love the prestige that it comes with it, I love the material that they teach there. But as an African, I literally almost felt out of place because... Um, excuse me, sir. I live in that place that you're talking about, and um, yeah, that's data from 2000. And uh, there could be some truth to it, but it's not the entire truth, so tone, tone it down, tone it down a little bit. We're not that poor, you know, not everywhere in Africa there's war. So when they keep perpetuating, and this, this why economics class, these are the guys that go to work at the World Bank, how want their perception of Africa? not be the same old perception and then they lend Africa money at a very expensive price. How? 
So the president of Zambia is saying we need to rethink the world order. And if you want to do business in Africa, because the money is not free, then you have to be a little bit, not a lot, just a little bit, a little bit, a little bit heartful. Just have a little bit of heart, have a little bit of soul, have a little bit of respect, and just be a little bit considerate of the person you're lending money to using current data, not data from 1990. One that we need to reform the global order, in particular to address the inequities associated with critical ingredients to development, such as capital. The cost of capital is what I'm talking about. Africa, as we have already acknowledged, pays a higher cost of capital than any other on the globe. Certainly, the BRICS platform could and should be used to work through, to expedite the reform processes around this issue, which is inhibiting development, which our young populations much need to create opportunities for education, health, uh, business, work, as it were, and other life-improving activities. Secondly, Mr. Chairman, to address access to technology. Access to technology so we can then engage in the genuine and mutually beneficial partnerships which we keep talking about all the time. Partnership that would deliver value for all our economies, our regions, continent of Africa, as well as obviously to world global economic success, which is important because global success, Mr. Chairman, it cannot be talked about in isolation. You can't call a global success to be there or delivered when a lot of countries are left behind, yet they are richly endowed with resources. So when we look at these opportunities, we look at the total resource envelopes that we all bring to the table, capital at a fair price, technology, of course, at a fair price, but also the resource endowments, such as critical minerals, that are important to the industry of the future, EV industry, for example. Well, thank you very much for watching. Um, yeah, uh, it's very interesting. Sometimes I come to this video because I've done my prep and all that stuff, and then just ideas pop in my head, and now we're discussing my time at Columbia and MIT. But um, yeah, I think it's very important that anybody that wants to talk about Africa and represent the continent, it has to be current because that's the only way we are going to be fair to the continent and address the current challenges, but also help it jumpstart or elevate the development that it has currently. That old data, no, 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 no. Africa is no longer the dark continent, man. I mean, I live in Rwanda. I'll tell you for free, electricity, like, and this is not, this is not me in any way like doing PR, but the infrastructure here is great. Electricity, we have electricity all the time. We have water. The systems, like the government systems work and everything is digital. And the country might have its own challenges. I've lived in Ghana, I've lived in Kenya. I'm very soon going to South Africa. It's a great place to be, you know. And so that old age perception of Africa is, is old, is backdated. We speak English, for real, like, we speak your language, you speak French, we speak... You meet an African, you can communicate with them, irrespective of where you are from the world. So why are you still perceiving us as 
Stone Age. Keep up. Catch up. I beg. Thank you very much for watching. I'll see you again um, next time. Connect with me on social media, as you can tell. I'm fun sometimes. Um, my handle is Atunduro Ganga on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can also um, join my YouTube community at Ondiro Oganga, where I document this for stories. As you can tell, I'm moving from country to country. I was in Kenya, then I went to Ghana for two years. Now I'm in Rwanda for some time, then head to South Africa. And the, in as much as I do this for my journalism work, it's also very important that I look for people who see something in Africa and they say, I know America is great, I know Canada is great, but I want to reconnect with the motherland where I came from. I want to see Africa for myself. And I think it's very important to document those perspectives. So if you're interested, at Ondero Ganga on YouTube. I'll see you again next time.